Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program for Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Jacob McSweeney. In this week's program, there's a few surprise exclusions as next year's Super Rugby squads are announced. The Māori All Blacks also named their squad for the end-of-year tours. The Silver Ferns bounce back against Australia in the Netball Quad Series and New Zealand's only Melbourne Cup jockey talks up his chances in Tuesday's big race. The former All Black flanker Daniel Braid was the surprise omission from the Blues Super Rugby squad for next year's competition. Braid, who's 30 and appeared in six tests, played his 100th game for Auckland in the ITM Cup final against Canterbury last weekend. He's also played 100 Super Rugby matches, 81 of them for the Blues and 19 for the Queensland Reds. Andrew Hoare will captain the Highlanders, while All Black flanker Adam Thompson isn't included. He's expected to announce he's heading overseas. Meanwhile, the Chiefs have included former All Black Ross Filippo in their squad. The Waikato-based franchise are the defending champions, and I asked coach Dave Rennie about the new faces in the squad and how they were going to go about retaining their Super Rugby title. All Blacks actually don't officially come until the end of January, and the Maldives the start of January, so it's a little bit different to our build-up last year. You've got a few new a few new players uh, in the squad this year. There's, it looks like there's four or five new guys. Tell me about some of these blokes. You know, we we'd already signed guys like Charlie Natai, who obviously um, had a big season for Wellington. Uh, I had a few bits to do with Charlie, with New Zealand twenties, and so we, we got a lot of time for him. And uh, I think he could really add to this group. We've uh, picked up uh, Solomon Sakalia from Wellington, also, and Ross Filippo. And so Solomon is a, a beast of a man. Um, you know, mobile, a you know, good athlete, and we think can really apply some pressure. Ross is very experienced and played a lot of footy at predominantly lock and six, and we think he's got the skill set to play at eight as well. And you know, those additions will be good for us. We've also got Gareth Anscombe, who we, we picked off the Blues. I'm really wrapped to have Gareth. He's, uh, he's got a fantastic skill set and a uh, real strength of um, controlling a game, and so he gives us uh, a really good balance from um, you know that sort of back group. So, uh, you know, we're really, really excited by that. We've signed um, young Reese Marshall. He's um, contracted with Taranaki for the next couple of years, and he's on 20s this year. And we've got a couple of experienced hookers, and good to have a young fellow behind him who we know will work hard, will try and learn heaps, but given the opportunity, we'll be out of front. Obviously, you, you guys will be much more of a known quantity now that you're the... You are the champions. Uh, I mean, what is there much pressure of, of being the defending champions, and how will you go about, you know, getting ready for... Defending your title? Um, I think, you know, ultimately, you know, all these sort of competitions are so tough. And uh, the side that wins at the end is normally the side that's been probably the most consistent throughout. So, yeah, you know, what we've got, we've got a nucleus of guys who were with us last year and who understand uh, the hard work required to win a championship. And so we, we're certainly clear on the fact that we need to replicate that. We need to work hard and to get results, and um, we've brought in some new faces. I'm confident that that'll add a bit of spark as well, and um, we've got a really strong leadership group, and and we'll all certainly be ensuring that 
everyone's well aware of um, the standards and um, expectations and and be driving that on and off the field. So uh, no, we're really looking forward to it. We're, we're really happy with our squad. Um, it's always exciting getting the team together and while it's going to be a little bit disjointed with the the uh, national team touring and that sort of thing, um, you know, come December or come January, you know, we'll have the majority of the guys in by the end and, um, you know, we had a, a few seats. And obviously you you won't have the services of uh, Sonny Bill Williams. How big of a loss is, is a guy like, like Sonny Bill? Oh, it's just hard to replace a guy like that, isn't it? Because he was just sensational. Yeah, even on off the field, he was great. He was a really positive influence and amongst our boys, especially our young island boys. And But, you know, we've we've signed some really good midfielders. You know, we, we could play Richard Kahui at 12, um, Andrew Horrell, Bundy Aki, uh, Charlie Natai. So we've got some real options here, and uh, we'd do things obviously a little bit differently. But, uh, you know, certainly someone like Richard Kahui can give us everything that Sonny gave us, and the other guys have slightly different skills and uh, and... You know, you look at Bundy and and Charlie, they're both electric, very, very quick and and so there's a real point of difference amongst all those guys and and so uh, we're really really looking forward to getting that part of our game going. That's Chiefs coach Dave Rennie. Meanwhile, the Crusaders squad includes nine new players with 23 of this year's squad returning, including All Black skipper Richie McCaw, who'll be taking time off during the first half of the competition. The Māori All Blacks flew out to England this week for a 10-day tour which ends with a match against Canada at Oxford University. Formerly known as the New Zealand Māori, it's also the first time the team has worn a sponsor's logo on the jersey in a three-year deal that should ensure more regular game time. Richard Wayne went along to the team and jersey unveiling in Auckland. The All Blacks' legacy of success began with a team of Māori rugby players they were the first team to wear the black jersey with a silver fern on the chest. And the first to perform the haka, a unique and globally respected pre-game ritual. Today, they compete as the Māori All Blacks. The Māori All Blacks. Cultural guardians. Rugby legends. jersey was unveiled with Waiata and Karakia and a surprise the Māori will be sporting super rugby sponsor the B&Z for this tour rather than the AIG brand worn by the All Blacks and that's not all that's different about the team coach Jamie Joseph it's a hell of a responsibility picking the New Zealand Māori team if you pick the wrong person your aunties and uncles give you a clip around the ear so you can make sure you're going to get it right is the process of who's Māori and who's not is that clear well, that that's all gets done behind the scenes, not from the coaches. That all gets done by NZAU and the people that are responsible for that. And as far as I'm aware, it's pretty thorough. Because you've definitely got enough on your plate in the short turnaround, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as coaching's concerned and to what I'm used to, you prepare a team and you rely a lot on their own expertise. You give them a plan and you, with your leadership, and in this case, Tony, though, you, you ensure that everyone's got the best environment and the best opportunity to play their best rugby and and what tends to happen is that reliance or that 
Whakapapa of our jersey takes us a long way, and um, that's what I'll be relying on this time around. Is this an environment where Willie, Willie Reaper can really thrive in his return to rugby? I think so. Uh, we wouldn't have picked him if, if we didn't believe so. I think Willie's inclusion in the team is uh, one of the reasons that we have the Māori All Blacks is to promote our players and our people, and um, we do that from all, all sorts of things. And with young guys, you saw that with Aaron Smith. And in Willie's case, he's an experienced football player, has the necessary skill set, and what we're hearing is he's ready to go and we're looking forward to that. The disgraced former Hurricane Willie Repia was the main talking point at the team naming, the Māori offering Repia a lifeline after he left the Western Force following allegations of theft to fund a gambling habit. Tanaro Latimer replaces the now regular All Black Liam Messam as captain of the Māori. Oh, yeah, I'm pleased I've got a responsibility and uh, I'm not taking it lightly. You know, my family's pretty proud of me getting the captaincy. It's a pretty tight turnaround as usual. Do you think you've got enough time? I mean, maybe the Māori style of rugby, maybe, you know, your team is the best equipped to just turn up almost. Yeah, that's it, that's it. We've got a few days to prepare in uh, Auckland and it's not too dissimilar from uh, you know, the teams that the boys have been in uh, from the ITN Cup. You know, Māori rugby's all about running, so uh, boys will get out there and have a crack. For Māori rugby to be back on the map two years uh, after you last played, just how important is, is that as a team, do you reckon, to, to play matches? Oh, it's massive. A lot of feedback after that um, 2010 series. People, how, how they love the rugby and, and um, they love the series. Uh, so it was disappointing that, obviously, because the World Cup, uh, we didn't carry it on, but so we can uh, we can look to carry it on um, this year. It's pretty tough scheduling it all in with the fixtures and what have you, and, and I guess the fact that you're not a full international team, but wouldn't it be great if you were granted that status? Then you wouldn't have the likes of Sean Maitland buggering off and playing for Scotland, would you? Yeah, yeah that's right, mate. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but, oh, well, he's, he's chosen to do what he's done, so yeah, that's up to him. Last week, the pacey back Sean Maitland announced he was leaving the Crusaders for a deal in Glasgow after missing All Black selection yet again. The Māori assistant coach, Daryl Gibson, who also recently left the Crusaders, says he's happy with any playing time the Māori All Blacks get. We're very, very happy to get what we receive. I think where we sit in the, the grand scheme of, of world rugby and also fitting us into the calendar, I think is providing very difficult number of um, games on the schedule. You know, we're very grateful to get the store. You know, ongoing, we believe there's an opportunity in June potentially for us. We've got international teams coming to New Zealand. Obviously with the franchise situation in June, it uh, wouldn't be too hard for a one-off game against one of those uh, bigger top-tier nations. Former All Black captain Buck Shelford, a Māori legend, wants more regular tours for the team. I'd like to see the Māori get games every year, but it's fitting it all in. I'd like to see the All Blacks cull back maybe three or four tests a year and put the Māoris in there, but it's all about making money, you see. And the All Blacks, they bring in the most money more than any other team, but... Uh, I think if we had a Māori All Black team that, that toured more regular and had internal tours with Māori All Blacks, they played against like Canada and America and that sort of thing, you could actually get revenue coming in the, in the gate like that. Just on the status of the Māori, do you think if the NZRU promoted it a bit more heavily rather than perhaps neglecting it as it has in the last few years, would um, actually be a money spinner for them? The New Zealand public would, would love some in, inbound Māori games, for instance. Oh, I'm not sure I agree with that question, but what, what I know is there's a bugger all time to actually get games in rather than the word neglect I, th- I think there's just no time with the schedule I mean I, I coach Super Rugby and if you take the Super Rugby competition and then the, you know the June series with whoever's coming over and then the championship and then ITM Cup I think this is the only opportunity that we get to, to whack games in and then who wants to play is not necessarily up to the New Zealand Rugby Union it's up to the guys who we invite and that's often difficult as well. Darrell will say maybe another window in June some more games in June perhaps. Yeah well, that'd be good as a Māori All Black coach. I'm not sure about the Hollanders coach. <laughs>
The Māori All Blacks begin their tour with a game at Premiership side the Leicester Tigers, then face a Championship 15 before the game with Canada on November the 23rd. The Wellington Phoenix have been trying to move on this week after losing 3-1 to Adelaide in controversial fashion last weekend. The Phoenix fought hard against the top-of-the-table Adelaide side but could do nothing when trailing 2-1 in the 77th minute. Ben Sigmund was sent off for fouling Geronimo Newman on the edge of the box. TV replays showed there was little contact between the two and captain Andrew Durante showed his frustrations after the game by labelling Newman a cheat for diving. The Phoenix appealed the Sigmund red card but had it turned down and striker Paul Eiffel told our reporter Stephen Hewson diving has no place in the game. It's been pretty good. I mean, once the match review committee made the decision, there was nothing for us to do. They made the decision. Um, whether we agree with it or not, we have to move on. Um, we knew that Sigi was going to be suspended and we just had to sort of wait on, on um, what was going to be happening with the Jura. Jura is obviously available for the weekend and, and we move on and we go to Melbourne in uh, quite decent shape. Disappointed. No? Oh, of course, disappointed. Um, disappointed to lose a lose a teammate in the circumstances, but they've looked at it, which we asked them to. They've deemed that the red was was fine and, and it should have stood, and that's all you can do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to start saying that he's a cheat and this and that or, or anything like that. That's, that's already been said. Um, only he knows um, whether he took a dive or not. Um, and I suppose we just have to get on with it this end and focus on the game against Melbourne. Do you think it sort of sets a standard or, or the bar for the yeah, rest of the season? Yeah, that's the only thing. Um, that's what I'm a little disappointed in. I think you have to be careful because now, am I looking to go down easy? You know, that's not my nature. Um, I, I'll stand my feet as long as I can. Does it make it easier for forwards or does it make it harder for referees? You know, it's it's a long season and I'm sure we'll get the rub of the green at some point so hopefully we do and um, you just want to be talking about the football and not about these sort of incidences really but you've got to think about that don't you that like you say do you go down it's obviously crossed your mind yeah not, I'm one of them who I'll stay on my feet as, as long as I can and hopefully the refs will get it right in my favour and, and if they don't there's not much you can do on the day you know it's, that wasn't the only um, issue um, with the referee on the weekend and it's, it's happened in different games like Jura said before one of the referees was stood down and I think that's the way to go. I think if they're, if they're deemed to have made a mistake, then, then that needs to happen. You know, If, I'm, if I keep making mistakes um, in the game, it's going to stand me down the next week. So that's, that's just how it should work. And um, At least they've, they've looked at it, and if they decided that there was, uh, there was no error, then we have to move on. The referee's been stood down this week, the guy that was refereeing you the weekend. Yeah, I don't know if he's been stood down or he's been rested. So um, that's for them to, them to decide. But... Um, Probably just to keep him out of the out of the spotlight for for a week is a good idea. I mean, you've played in a fair few leagues around the, the world. I mean, is diving a problem in the A League, or is it better, worse? Um, I, I don't think it's a problem in the A League. I think it's a problem in football in, in general. Um, I've always hated it um, from a young age. I think it's I, I just I find it embarrassing to see it, you know. Um, and I'm not even talking about this this weekend uh, as an isolated event, you know, forgetting about that. Um, but you do see people doing it, and, and I just don't know why. You know, for me, I'd want to stay on my feet and put the ball in the back of the net. So I think as long as you can you can do that, why dive? I've always wondered why people dive in the box. There must be a few players around, though, that have got a reputation. Yeah, there are that got a reputation, but it's, it's tough sometimes, you know. Uh, some people go down easier than others. Um, some people are less less physical than others. That's just that's just football, you know. Some if that had been, for instance, Barisha um, against us, I'm sure he'd have gone through and tried to clean past the out and sit the ball in the back of the net. That's the way he plays. Um, if Geronimo wants to go down on every little touch, that's how he plays. That's up to him. I'm I'm not going to call him a diver. Um, that's one of those things we need to be careful of next time. You know, you know, to keep your hands down and and uh, stay on your feet. Hey, Melbourne victory there at the, the bottom of the table. Uh, 
opportunity to bounce back? Yeah, but I never look at the table after four weeks. I think, you know, um, I think it's a little bit lopsided at the moment. I mean, we played Adelaide last week. I don't think they're the best team in the league, but they're top of the league. Uh, conversely, I don't think Melbourne Victory are the worst team in the league. I think Andrew's trying to um, implement a, a system, um, which he did very well at Brisbane. And it took a while for Brisbane to gel. You know, I think they had seven games at the end of one season. Um, and even at the start of the next season, it was still pretty tough. But once they got doing it, they were something special. So I expect they'd get there in the end, and I just hope it's not this weekend. Paul Eiffel talking to Stephen Hewson. The Phoenix play bottom of the table Melbourne victory on Monday. And you're listening to Extra Time, a web-only programme for Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Jacob McSweeney. Following their biggest loss to Australia in 12 years last weekend, the Silver Ferns netballers were out with something to prove in their final quad series encounter with the Diamonds on Thursday. Australia were all but assured the title before the game started, with the Silver Ferns needing to win by a margin of 46 points. The Silver Ferns coach Waito Monu's used the tournament to give some of her less experienced players more court time, but this time she opted for her best starting lineup, who went on to win the game 48-43. Waito Monu told our reporter Craig McCulloch, it'll be hard to forget about last weekend's trouncing, but the younger players got some invaluable experience. From our own perspective as a team, uh, in terms of showing progress and really working on the things that we had worked on since our last game against Australia, it was pretty important in that respect. Does the result put last week's loss behind you? Uh, no, and to be fair, I don't think it will ever be behind us. That was a, a really substandard performance and one that we have to be wary of going forward. Um, and just remind ourselves that when we make the number of errors that we made against a team that is as good as Australia, that's the level of um, of deficit that can occur. So I think it's something we'll remember and remind ourselves about going forward. The outcome tonight, I mean, is it a little bit bittersweet? I mean, it, it sort of shows what could have been done in the series if you hadn't had that huge loss? No, it's not bittersweet. Um, we got ourselves into this position and we carved a loss out. So and um, having played five matches against Australia, we're now 3-2 up. So from that perspective, there's uh, some positives to take from it. How are the Silver Ferns at, the, you know, at this point? Uh, what, what's the feeling in the squad? I think satisfaction, really. It's, it's the end of our international programme. We had got a lot of people on the court through this, this, the two series and we were able to put a line-up on court that has been very focused on Australia over the last 10 days and has worked pretty hard on our analysis and the um, strategies we took on court and we executed them tonight. So um, it's reasonably satisfied. Pretty tired, but um, pretty satisfied. It's been a mixed year. Um, do you feel that the team demonstrated that they've still made gains? I think we have. I think it's the first time we've won the Constellation Cup and we came out and beat Australia in the final when we were two all. Um, if it had been a five-match series, this would have been the decider. So for all of those reasons, yes. And crucial, I guess, this result tonight to to building confidence and momentum heading into next season? Certainly to reaffirm to ourselves that we've done a lot of hard work behind the scenes, starting in January, some camps and some trials that were... Um, fairly stressful, so just to prove to ourselves that the work that we were doing um, has paid off and that it was probably the right stuff to be doing. What are the biggest areas still you think that need improvement? Um, I've been a bit disappointed in our through-court defence. I think it has lacked the cohesion that it has um, had in the past, so that's probably something we're looking to go forward, but we'll have to maintain the improvements we've had in centre-pass attack and centre-pass defence while we do that. And going back, I guess, to um, the last big loss... Do you think that the fact that the less experienced players were played... Um, Probably. Might, might, do you think that's going to mean we'll be a bit more gun-shy in future? 
I wouldn't have thought so. Kayla got on for half a game tonight. She was one of the ones who was out there. Um, this is only Millie's fourth test against Australia. So, in fact, she's had, she had her first test against Australia in the Constellation Cup. So, it's not as though we had um, a, a team full of, of old wise heads. There were a couple of youngsters out there tonight. Um, and I think that having seen them and having seen the errors that um, the other people on the court, court made that night, I think um, they're very, very clear about what they need to work on um, to get on the court again against Australia. Waito Monu talking to Craig McCulloch. After fifth placings in the last two years, the New Zealand distance runner Kimberly Smith is aiming for a top three finish in next week's New York Marathon. After a disappointing 15th at the London Olympics, the New York event offers Smith the chance to end 2012 on a high. The race is still expected to go ahead on Monday morning, despite the devastation caused by Hurricane Sandy, which has battered America's east coast. Smith told Stephen Hewson she had a relatively straightforward trip to New York from her Rhode Island home. From what I've seen, it, it isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Unfortunately, there's not that many places to run other than Central Park, so I kind of had to improvise. There's also a bike path on the, on the west side highway, so I just kind of did a did my run there today and hopefully the park's going to open up tomorrow. But um, a lot of people obviously are in the city to run and not having the park open is the big problem there. Presumably you're sort of tapering things down anyway, are you, at this stage? Yeah, I mean, I had my last hard thing today. did like three by, three times a mile, um, kind of fast. And what would you be doing sort of top-end mileage-wise when it comes to general training? I'd run around 100 to 150 miles a week when in marathon training. So this week will be a lot less than that um, when you're tapering for the race. What's the forecast for, for the race? Do you know? I actually think it's going to be pretty nice, um, pretty cold, which is good for marathon running. But, um, yeah, I think pretty nice. I think it's meant to be sunny and, yeah, pretty pretty perfect weather, really. It's an event that you obviously enjoy because what you've had a, a, a fifth place a couple of times. Uh, they entice me back every year, so um, yeah, I really enjoy running here. It's a really strong field this year. We have the gold and bronze medalists from the Olympics, and also the reigning world champion, um, and among another a lot of other girls. So um, it's a really strong field, and yeah, if I can pr- improve on my fifth place, then it would be great. Are you confident, form-wise, fitness-wise? Yeah, I feel pretty good. Um, I recovered well after the Olympics and feel pretty good at going into it. So hopefully, hopefully it'll go well. How much of a toll do you think this the storm and the, the weather will have taken? I suppose mentally on, on some of the the runners. I definitely think I had the easiest travel to get here. Our train was cancelled, so we just drove up instead, and um, it took three hours, which is actually took shorter than usual because there was no one on the roads, so there was no traffic. So we had actually a really easy time getting in. A lot of the international runners have had a lot of flight cancellations, so I definitely think I've had the least stress of everyone, so I, that's a good thing. The London Olympics were a, a bit of a disappointment, so do you, do you hold out this New York marathon as sort of providing you with the highlight of 2012, hopefully? Yeah, I mean, I hope, I hope hopefully that's going to be a good race. I definitely was disappointed after the Olympics. It definitely wasn't great, a great run, um, so, but I still think I carry some of that, a lot of that fitness that I had before the Olympics over to this race. And doing well at the New York Marathon is, in the running world, is pretty on par with do, um, doing well at the Olympics. So, um, 
you know, it's such an such a big race and such an important race, so it would definitely be great to do well here. And what are your plans after the New York Marathon? Um, I actually go on my honeymoon, so I'll be having a little break from running for a couple of weeks, and then I'll get back into it and decide after that what the next race will be. You only got married in September, I understand. Yeah, so I didn't really have time to have a honeymoon then, so it'll be a nice, nice to have a break. And where are you going? To Hawaii. You'll have a complete break from running, will you? Or will you, I mean, how, how difficult is that? Are you able to just sit back and, and relax? After a marathon, yes. It's pretty easy, actually. <laughs> a lot of pain, so um, it shouldn't be too hard. And then does the season sort of wind down from there? Do you come back to New Zealand? Do you what What is the, the plan post that, that bit of time off? Probably just get back into it um, after a couple of weeks and get back into the training and then decide on whatever races I'm going to do. Not really sure yet. What would be your key targets for 2013? Um, well, the World Championships are next year, so um, I don't think I would run the marathon at the World Champs, but... Um, I definitely think about um, going back to the track and doing some track races is what I'm leaning towards um, and having a little break from the marathon and, and maybe doing one this time next year or something. Why Why go back to the, the track? I just don't think you can do too many marathons. It, it does take a pretty hard toll on your body and it's also much more mentally challenging. You can't race as much and it's just, yeah, it's pretty tough. Um, so um, just to do something different and get some speed back in my legs, I might go back to the track for a bit. Was that always the plan when you switched to the marathon? Yeah, it was always the plan. It's hard once you get going on these in, into the marathons. You kind of become a little bit addicted to them, like you, want, you just want to keep doing them. Um, but my coach always wanted me to get bit back to the track, and he still thinks I can run pretty well on the track. So I'm going to give that a go, and um, maybe I'll do a, a marathon in this spring, but um, I'm leaning more towards going back to the track for a bit. Doing 10,000 or? Yeah, I don't think I could do shorter than that now, but I think I could, maybe, um, I mean, do some 5K races, but concentrate more on the 10K. How do you think you'll find that? It will definitely take a while to come back into my legs, but um, definitely have to work on that uh, and cut back on my miles, which, I mean, should be it should be something different and fun for a while anyway. Do you still see four years' time, Brazil, that's the goal, is it? Yeah, I mean, I'll still only be 34, which in running isn't that, isn't that old. Um, in 2008, the women's marathon gold medalist is 38, so um actually could probably do two more Olympics, really. Um, I don't know if I'll want to, but um, yeah, I definitely want to keep going until Brazil. That's Kimberly Smith talking to Stephen Hewson. Australia's major annual thoroughbred horse race, the Melbourne Cup, is on Tuesday and this year there's only one New Zealand jockey in the race. The 20-year-old New Zealand-born James McDonald is based in Sydney and will ride the British import Fiorente, which is trained by the former actress and now horse trainer Gay Waterhouse. McDonald's had a stellar year, winning more than 120 races in New Zealand and he says he thinks he can add the Melbourne Cup to his tally. The horse is in fine fiddle at the moment and... Um just heading out to work him at the moment out at Werribee in quarantine and um, hopefully he'll go well this morning but um, by all accounts Gay's really happy with the horse and um, he's travelled over a treat he's a lovely looking horse so um, hopefully he can run up to his looks.
Uh, tell me a little bit about Fiorente, the horse. Uh, he's a solid form over in Europe. He's, uh, he has a, he's a lightly raced horse, but um, his form around him is very good. He's beaten Reed Cadeau and his and a couple of starts ago, and um, Reed Cadeau went down by a nose last year in the Melbourne Cup, so the form around him is very good. Um, and he's beaten a horse up in Europe called Joshua Tree, who's gone out and won a couple of group ones from uh, from when he beat him. Um, so the form around him is great, and um, looking forward to a Ford show come Tuesday. Okay, and so, I mean, you're the only queue, you must be pretty proud of that? Oh, yeah, for sure. It would have been great to have a couple of others, but um, oh, I'm happy to hold the fort for the motherland. <laughs> You're feeling good about it? I mean, do you think you've, you've got a good chance to, to win? Yeah, I think I've got an outstanding chance. Um, he's, he's well-weighted for the cup. Um, his form around him is great, so um, no, he's a very good horse. As long as he's travelled over good, which I think he has, um, he'll be there about. And I mean, if you're going to win it, who who are your sort of toughest competition that you're looking at uh, on Tuesday? Well, obviously the top couple, um, Junadine's done it, he's been there, done it. Um, Miracane's been there, done it. And Red Cadeau, well, he's he's probably waited to win it as well. And um, he hasn't, he's only gone up a kilo since his narrow defeat last year. So it's um, he looks very well placed in the race as well. So are you a little bit nervous, or how are you feeling about you know taking on your first Melbourne Cup? Uh, not yet anyway. I might might come to the day, but um, I've got other things to worry about before the Melbourne Cup, before then anyway. So we'll get, we'll get the weekend over in doubles and then worry about the Melbourne Cup. That's New Zealand's only Melbourne Cup jockey this year, James McDonald. That's all this week for Extra Time. If you have any feedback, let us know at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Jacob McSweeney. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.